right, I think we are good to go. Thank you so much for doing that, guys. It means a lot. Okay, if you um, have your Bibles, if you can open them to Isaiah 54 and then also uh, to Joshua chapter 5, that would be awesome. And I'm going to read a lot of scriptures tonight just because... I think that ones uh, you can, um, but those are the two that I want us to read together. And uh, the other ones, uh, you can do your best to follow with me if you want during the message, but I'm going to jump through probably seven or eight scriptures tonight, so uh, you don't have to. I promise I won't make them up, so nobody thought that was funny. <laughs> All right, uh, let's, uh, let's close our eyes, let's pray, I guess. If you're still looking for your scripture place, you can do that too. That's still spiritual. Lord, we, uh, we're thankful that you're here. God, I just, um, I just am so excited tonight for some reason. It feels so peaceful to be in your presence in this moment, Lord. And I know that your word doesn't return to you void, God. I know that it bears fruit in it. Uh, we just want to be good soil tonight, Lord, I guess what I'm trying to express. So give us a heart to receive your truth and let it be implanted deep in our spirits, Lord. We want to cling to it. We want to steward it. We want to see it grow. So I thank you for what you're doing in this season, that you're teaching us how to pray, and I pray that you will further that tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So we uh, are on the fifth week of this prayer series uh, divine invitation, and to recap for you, the last three weeks uh, in particular uh, talked about resting, uh, receiving the love of God, being alone with the alone, advocating for silence and solitude in the presence of God, and then the next week it was the dancing sermon, right? We all know that one, right? Which was adoration, giving it back to the Lord and expressing ourselves in passion and vulnerability to Jesus. So we receive his love inspiration, and then we're actually empowered to offer him something back. Um, we enter into this place of union with God. And uh, from that place of union, talked about last week that we're actually seated with Christ in heavenly places, and we're positioned then to intercede and pray with God. And effective intercession was last week. Uh, and this week, um, I'm going to talk about praise. And praise is, I had it was resting down, adoration up, intercession out, and then I just put praise exclamation point. So tonight's the exclamation point. You know, and really, before I even move on, I want to say all of those things I just described, you know, meditation, reflection, receiving, resting, there are so many subgenres that you can, you know, if you want to read books like Richard Foster's uh, Finding the Heart's True Home, uh, Prayer, Finding the Heart's True Home, he goes through like 30-some like disciplines of prayer. So there is a world to discover in each one of these things. I'm kind of taking broad topics um, in different aspects um, that have worked for me and that I've explored. So this is not comprehensive, um, but it is uh, a start. So praise tonight. Um, so I wrote down, I just wanted to define praise for us. And praise uh, is an, it's an act of faith, really, uh, to praise God. It's an act of faith, and it's a declaration that says you are who you say you are, and you're going to do what you say you're going to do. Right, so when we are praising God, we're actually responding to his nature. And his nature is that he's good, and he's faithful. He doesn't change. All right, so Praising is this, it's faith because 
as I'm responding to his nature that he is a faithful and good God, I actually then am given permission to praise him that his promises that he's given me are going to be fulfilled. Are you following me? So I'm, I can praise him in faith. I can praise him for what he's done. I can praise him for who he is. And I can also praise him for what he's going to do because I'm responding to his nature, which is faithful and good. So if he gives me a promise, I can praise him that that promise will be fulfilled in faith. Are you following me? Because I'm responding to the nature of God. And God is, you know, we oftentimes live like past, present, or sometimes present, future. God's weird. He's different than we naturally are wired. And he's constantly renewing our minds to start thinking like him. God is future, present. He's like already at the finish line when he starts. Right? He saw the end from the beginning. Whoa! How do you like... Wrap your head around that. I don't know, but I think praise is like a tool that God uses to start training us and teaching us to think like he does. And he thinks future, present. All right, so I'm going to kind of describe the faith journey, the tension, and really the potential that the invitation to praise gives us to start thinking, repenting, changing our minds in such a way that we start thinking like God and start living future present. Uh, because God is living, he's got a, he is on a mission, he's got a plan, and he's taking us somewhere. And he already knows it, he saw the end from the beginning. He saw our last day before he saw our first. He's got good plans for us, right? I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. So Isaiah 54, if you're there, we read this during um, worship. I'm just going to read it again and then uh, unpack it just a bit. So this is verse 1 through 3 of Isaiah 54. Shout for joy, O barren one, you who have borne no child. Break forth into joyful shouting and cry aloud, you who have not travailed. For the sons of the desolate one will be more numerous than the sons of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch out the curtains of your dwellings, spare not, lengthen your cords and strengthen your pegs, for you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your descendants will possess nations and will resettle the desolate cities. Does anybody pick up how weird that scripture is? All right, so the prophet is uh, prophesying to Israel, and at this time, uh, Israel is in ruins, Right? Israel has been ransacked. Israel is desolate. And he describes in this uh, analogy that Israel's like a barren woman, right? Because Israel has been barren. It's been uh, ransacked. They've been taken captive to Babylon. And uh, the prophet comes and he's speaking and he's prophesying. He's saying, All right, in this place of barrenness, I want you to start rejoicing. Right? I want you to start praising me. And he starts giving this promise because you're going to, you know, and, and not just rejoicing, but I want you to like enlarge your tents, right? Build a bigger house, like get ready for all the blessing and the abundance and the fruitfulness that's going to start coming from you. Okay, and uh, the reason that God is telling them to rejoice, and if you read uh, like Jeremiah 29 through 33, there's all these promises. 
I know the plans I have for you, a plans for a future and a hope, right? In 70 years, I'm going to bring you back to this land. There's going to be the voice of joy and the voice of bride and the voice of the bridegroom. There's, the wine's going to abound. There's all these promises. There's going to be health and healing, right? So God, even though there is desolation, he's given a promise of something different. So he's telling Israel, hey, in this desolation, I want you to start rejoicing as if the promise has already been fulfilled. Does that make sense? Do you see the future present? It's not how we think. We think, I'll rejoice <laughs> when there's something happening. And God's saying, no, no, it already is happening. I've already spoken my word. I've already given you a promise. Rejoice. Rejoice in your barrenness because you know what's going to happen. I'm going to multiply it. I'm going to make it big. Your, your descendants are going to possess nations. They're hoping to have like a city, right? We often dream dreams of survival, or maybe just making it, God's like, no, no, no. I know the plans I have for you, right? So rejoice. It's this backwards thinking. Uh, about four or five years ago to California to visit my mom, I was driving, I was driving through the night um, to California to visit my mom, and uh, the Lord had given me words even uh, years prior to that uh, about uh, doing crusade evangelism. And I'm driving in the middle of the night, just kind of, you know, doing your own thing, and the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, I want you to start praising me right now as if, as if it was the end of a big crusade. And I want you to praise me for what I'm going to do. And I was just like, all right, that's kind of weird. But I was like, I've got nothing else to do. I'm in a car for the next five hours. So I just started praising, and I was just kind of like being obedient, just going for it. And then, uh, you know, like routinely, just going through the motion. And then... As my heart started praising, it was like I started entering more and more deeply into this, like the heart of praise. And pretty soon, it was as if all I could see was a sea of foreign people. And I was literally in tears, undone, weeping, praising God for what he'd already promised me he was going to do. And that night, something changed. It was like I knew praise was powerful, but I was just like something unlocked. There was, there was this this energy that I felt released as I began to praise. Like I had received the promises and I believed them, but there was, an, there was something that invigorated those promises as I began praising God in faith. Does that make sense what I'm describing? Right? And what I would describe that took place is that my prayers became energized with faith. Right? Because praise is an act of faith. What is faith? It's the substance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So I had a promise from God. He'd given me a promise. I, I, you know, I believed it, but I couldn't see it. It was just hope at that point. And he said, no, I want you to start praising me and actually entering in from hope into faith. Right, which is the conviction of things not seen. And I found that as I was giving glory to God, this conviction within me started to just materialize. I could see it. I could feel it. I, I was in tears. My, my whole soul became connected to this. Are you following me? Right? So praise is this act of faith, and it actually releases this, uh, the energy. It energizes our faith, our prayers. Rather, it energizes them, right? And the thing about praise is that we don't praise and we don't rejoice because we feel like it. 
Sometimes you might feel like it. Sometimes in the midst and the tension between the now and the not yet, the promise and the fulfillment, you don't feel like it. In fact, sometimes you feel the opposite, right? In a desolate, when you're barren, I doubt this, this Israel, this barren Israel felt like rejoicing and lengthening their strength pegs and saying, yeah, I'm going to have more children than the married people that have these big families. Right? You don't feel like praising often. You don't feel like rejoicing often. But the truth is you don't have to feel it. It's not an act of feeling. It's an act of faith, right? And faith is something deeper than the feelings. It's actually rooted in the will, right? The, which in the spirit, it's, it's deeper than just the emotions, right? It's, it's, it's this conviction. It's this choice that I'm going to choose to rejoice. I'm going to choose to praise with all my heart, no matter what my circumstances say, right? And Abraham in Romans 4 says, 19, it says, without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, in the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet, with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured that what God had promised, he was able to perform. In the face of barrenness, in the face of disappointment, he grew strong in faith as he gave glory to God. Whoa, and this is Abraham, the man of faith. Like we're supposed to follow the example that he set for us. All right, so Matthew eleven twelve. I'm going to just read a verse here that talks about faith. And it says this, this is Jesus speaking. And is Matthew eleven twelve says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and violent men take it by force. So I want to talk about violent faith here for the rest of the night and how we can actually come to operate in this violent kingdom grasping faith through praise. Right, so I did, uh, this is just a sentence from a commentary I was reading on this passage. Because it's kind of like, what do you mean violent? Like someone punching Jesus out? You know, like what, is, what does this mean? And this is the commentary I read. It says, the spirits of men are so excited and animated by a desire after this kingdom that it is as if it were attacked like a besieged city. Right, so it's Jesus saying, my kingdom, this message that I'm preaching, it is so animating and evoking this desire in people that, that people are, are coming to it as if they were attacking a besieged city. I think that's awesome imagery, like a besieged city. So when we get into the heart of praise, like what I described, I believe that we actually... Uh, begin to operate in a very violent, kingdom-grasping faith. Right? Psalm 149 talks about this praise, and it's very interesting imagery once again. It says in verse 5 of Psalm 149, Let the godly ones exult in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth. 
and a two-edged sword in their hand. The high praises of God in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. What does the Bible most frequently refer to a two-edged sword as? The word of God. So I believe that as the high praises of God are in our mouth, the two-edged sword of God is in our hand. And the two-edged sword is the word of God, which Isaiah 55 says, comes forth from his mouth and does not return to him void. It will accomplish that for which it was sent. Right? So I've given you a promise as you exult in me as your as high praises in faith that I'm going to praise you till the day I die because I got a promise and so I'm going to praise you all of a sudden we are empowered right and we actually the word can flow through us into the situations right so it's violent there's something that takes place and there's all this imagery around a battle scene right in first john uh, 5 chapter Chapter 5, verse 4, it says, This is the victory that's overcome the world. Our faith. Say it louder like you mean it. Our? Yes. Our faith. This is the victory that's overcome the world. Our faith. Praise is an act of faith. I'm responding to the faithfulness of God. And so therefore, as I'm responding to him, that two-edged sword that he's given me, the promise is activated in my life. There's an energizing that takes place when we begin to respond to his faithfulness, even if I can't see it, even if my circumstances say the opposite. Responding to him releases faith and it releases victory because this is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith. Do you see how powerful praise is? Do you see what it, it's like? It has this, this energy. It's just like this. It's like the spirit of God vibrating. You know, there's this vibration in praise that when you let it loose, when you let your faith loose, it is the victory. It gives God permission for his word to start piercing through you like a double-edged sword. So this commentary, this violent, right, it's, it's attacked as if it were a besieged city. Right? There's a story in the Bible. You should have it marked. Joshua chapter 5. Actually, it's going to be Joshua chapter 6, but same page, hopefully. That talks about a besieged city. Strangely enough, we've heard this probably many times. It's called Jericho. So let's see how God attacks a besieged city. Joshua 6, verse 1. Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out and no one came in. So this is a besieged city. This is a very fortified city. Huge walls in the ancient Near East. This was impenetrable. This was a very daunting opponent to come against. The Lord uh, is, like I said, future present. So watch this. The Lord said to Joshua, see, I've given Jericho into your hand. See, I see walls tightly shut. I see, I see a stronghold tightly shut. No, Joshua, see, I've given this city into your hand which I believe is just God putting definition to the promise he'd already given Joshua, which is every place you put the sole of your foot, I'm going to give to you. See, 
This is where I've called you to go. I've given that city into your hand. Joshua doesn't see it with his own eyes. He can only see this by faith. But God sees the end from the beginning. He's trying us to get us to start thinking like him. See? I gave you a promise that everywhere you put your foot, I'm going to give you victory. What's the victory that overcomes the world? Our faith, right? So, hey, Jordan, see this thing, your situation? See? I've given you that. What do you mean? Anything that comes against me, see, I've given you that. Any difficulty that we go through as the body of Jesus Christ, see, that's your next victory. Any giant that comes against you, see, that's the giant you're going to overcome. Any, any depression, any hopelessness, any despair, any, anything that comes against you, the Lord's future present. And he says, hey, see, greater is he that is in you than greater is in the world. You're more than an overcomer. If I'm for you, who can be against you? See? So I just want you to stop right now. I just want to stop. Close your eyes. You all have someone that you're coming against. You have something, rather, that you're coming against or is coming against you. There's an impossibility. There's a stronghold. There's an there's a addiction in your family. There is something. And just hear the Lord saying, see? I've given you that victory. See, see it. We got to start thinking like Jesus. He doesn't see, he doesn't see opponents. He doesn't have intimidation. He does not get afraid. He does not waver in unbelief. He knows the plans he has for you, that you will climb high. And he's called you to be an overcomer. And all the clutter in life, he will make a staircase that you will climb higher and higher and higher into the heights of his love. But you can't turn your back and run. Joshua, see, I've given Jericho into your hand with its king and the valiant warriors. You shall march around the city, all the men of war circling the city once. You shall do so for six days. Also seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Then on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up every man straight ahead. So this is very weird, because uh, in this day and age, what an uh, army, so an army would come to a city, they would conquer the city, then what they would do is they would march around that city, and they would give shouts of praise to their God. So that was a victory uh, formation, that was the victory lap. That would be the equivalent of, uh, you know, like the NBA Finals. And the team going out in pregame warm-ups and start cutting down the net. <laughs> Getting the ladder out, climbing up, cutting it, smiling, cheesing for their buddies as they're taking pictures. The whole nine yards. Future present. He's telling Joshua, I want you to operate in the faith that you're not fighting for a victory. You already have it. You already have it. Because I'm undefeated. I've never lost. I'm God. <laughs> and I'm with you. So we're not fighting for victory. 
We're not working hard to just, you know, make sure we have all the right strategies so that we can overcome. We just have to follow him because we already have the victory. We're fighting from the victory. I've heard it said. Right, so he tells Joshua, go march around the city, do the whole victory lap, and as you give a shout of praise, the victory is going to come. This is my plan for you. Whenever we start fighting for victory, we will actually forfeit the victory because we're no longer operating in faith. Anytime I go to fear, I go to doubt, and I start grabbing and clawing to try to create something and, and, and get a win, and I start stressing and I'm overcoming, I've already forfeited faith because I'm saying, I'm not sure if the victory's won. I'm not sure if I'm going to come out on top. I'm not sure if I'm going to make it through this. I'm not sure. And what's the victory that overcomes the world? So as soon as I go to doubt, as soon as I start questioning whether God's for me, whether God's with me, whether he's really going to turn this to the good of those who love him, I've already lost. I forfeited my victory because I left faith, and now I'm working, I'm striving. You see? So what does God have Joshua do? He doesn't go, Joshua, get all the generals together. Figure out the perfect thing, the foolproof plan. No, 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 this is what you're going to do. I want you to praise me. I want you to praise me now as the stronghold standing. I want you to praise me now that you have the victory. I want you to not just do it and go through the motions. I want you to literally get into the heart where you are praising me with all your heart. And you believe, you're professing in that moment, you are who you say you are. You're going to do what you said you're going to do. Amen? So now we, that's Old Testament. We are not living in the Old Testament. We're living in a new covenant with better promises. And we had a king who left his throne, became a servant, humbled himself to the point of death on a cross. And as he hung on that cross, he breathed his last breath and said these words, It is finished. It's finished. It's finished. Suicide. It's finished. Depression. It's finished. Slavery. It's finished. Per systemic poverty. All these broken things. It's finished. Sin. The Son of Man came for this purpose. To destroy the works of the devil. And when he said it's finished, he meant it. But God is future present. Sees the end from the beginning. And now he's positioned us in this tension of life. Right? And we spend time receiving his love. We give it back in adoration. We start to live in this place of disclosure. He starts to give us his heart. We start to intercede according to his will being done. Right? And we start to recognize, I've got promises. He's told me what's supposed to happen. He's told me the purpose in my life. He's told me that this broken system isn't supposed to be broken anymore. What do I do now? You start praising him. You just start praising him that it's finished. It's finished. If you have a promise from God, the victory's already won. 
Right? Jehoshaphat, there's a story when the Assyrian army is coming against the king of Jerusalem. Jerusalem's this little city on top of a hill with walls all around it. And it's a besieged city. And they're coming and they start taunting. Oh, who, who are you that you think God's going to save you? He starts taunting in front of all the people. He starts taunting the king. So we, we took out the other cities and their gods. Who's your God? Who's Yahweh that he's going to stand? We've been taking them all out. And we're going to take you out next. And he's trembling. And uh, the spirit of prophecy falls on a man that comes into the presence of the king and says, the battle's not yours, it's the Lord's. And as soon as that prophecy left his mouth, it says that the Levites and all their company began to praise the Lord. Not when the victory came. As soon as the promise was released, they began to praise the Lord because they knew that the Lord was with them. Right? And the king Jehoshaphat, he takes it one step further. He goes so far as the next day when they're going out to battle to meet this foreign army that outnumbered them in every single way. He sent the Levites in front and they were praising the Lord. So in the battles that we're facing and the impossibilities that we are all God-ordained to come against, the giants, the strongholds, the, the, in, the immeasurable amount of suffering in this life, the depth of brokenness in society and people and families and organizations, even in the church, it can seem so overwhelming. It can seem like a foreign army that's lining up saying, who are you? You're just this people. Who's River House? Who are you from Boise, Idaho? They can taunt and taunt and taunt and taunt and taunt but we have a resurrected king and his last words were it is finished and he's given us a promise and I want us to be like those Levites that any time I have this taunting when the Lord speaks I begin to praise him just praise him just praise him in the face of it all and when we can praise in such a way, when we can send our worship into the battle first, not our response, not our emotions, not all our things, not all our solutions, not all our ideas, but our worship, when that becomes our response, just an absolute praise that I'm going to respond to who you are. You are faithful, you are good, and you don't change. So I'm going to praise you. And I'm going to praise you. It's like a double-edged sword in our hand. And those battles and the enemies might come. But the word of the Lord, like a double-edged sword, will go forth through our lives. Our prayers, our promises will be energized with faith. And it is our faith that's the victory that overcomes the world. Amen? We're more than overcomers. We are not alone in the fight. We are not ill-equipped. We are not lacking anything. We've got it all. But we've got to use the weapon of praise. High praises to God. And let him begin to energize our intercession, our promises, our declarations. So I'm going to actually invite Jordan up right now. And uh, I'm just going to have him play and go wherever he wants. But uh, I want to close with a time of praise right now and I'm actually going to invite the prayer team to come forward right now as well and uh, I, I got a, a word uh, this week and I've been um, from it resonated with me for the church and I've been sensing it myself it really resonated with me and through a number of conversations I had but um, I just think there's been a, 
there's a, there's a really a corporate place that the Lord is wanting to take us to. And essentially the word was that we're standing at a gate uh, as a church. And I believe it's a gate of this city. And I was in a, a pastor's conference earlier this year in Dallas. We were talking about uh, what it means to be watchmen on the wall. And what it means to be gatekeepers for a city. And really to be a place where we determine, the gatekeepers would determine who comes into the city and who doesn't. And, and they would stay there night and day. And they'd be watchmen watching. Is it friend or is it foe? Um, and I just, I believe that God is doing something. He's establishing the authority of his church in this land. And whether we're aware of it or not, there is a, a real stronghold of suicide depression, hopelessness, despair that is ravaging our city. And we're the church of Jesus Christ. We're watchmen on the wall. And so I don't think that we're even going to pray right now. We're not going to pray for breakthrough for our own lives. We're not going to pray for breakthrough for Riverhouse. I want us to start praising God for breakthrough in our city. And uh, I'm going to invite you all to just stand, and, I, and I'm going to just lead us in I'm going to pray as the Lord leads me, um, and, and, if you, uh, and if you are personally experiencing just a stronghold in your life right now, um, I do want to invite you to come receive prayer from the prayer team uh, as, we, as we engage in this time, and I just believe that God wants to manifest victory tonight. Uh, there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of tension um, lately, and I believe that God wants to bring victory, and we have the victory uh, as we praise him.